0: the Great Nation, your weekly wine journey. We are broadcasting live from the Heritage Radio Network TP at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. We have a fun and interesting day. I'm sitting, and to my left is my pal and co-HRN person, Kat Johnson. And Kat and I, we have an interesting day today, but we're going to start with a very interesting guest. So Kat, let's set up... uh the show for everybody.
1: Yes. So um, today's our third day of broadcast, and we just happened to see one of my favorite people to run into at the festival. Uh, I feel like we bump into each other all the time, uh, most recently last night at the Dewberry Party, and um, she's one of my favorite chefs as well, Katie Button from Asheville, North Carolina.
0: <laughs> Probably one of the only few people not drinking.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: For sure,
1: um, Katie. Uh, Katie's restaurants in Asheville are Curate, uh, which is a Spanish restaurant, and then um, Night Bell, which is more Southern influences. Yes, correct, correct. Um, And Curate, since we last spoke um, last year at Charleston Wine and Food, um, we you've ex-
2: since expanded Curate. Um, tell us a little bit about that expansion? Sure. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, um, a few years ago, you know, the building next door to Curite, which originally used to be all one building, um, came available and as a space. It was a yogurt shop that was in there prior. And we just saw that and we're like, oh, my goodness, this is an amazing once in a lifetime opportunity. We seized it. My husband, Felix, and I, um, you know, who operate our restaurants, had always had this vision for Curite. And um, we just didn't have quite the space to be able to complete our vision, and then as soon as we were able to tack on this extra additional kind of square footage, we immediately decided to put in a vermuteria which is, you know, a vermouth bar, and we've got sherry cider and vermouth on tap, and, you know, a hamon charcuterie area and our cold station over there, and um, it's really beautiful, but... The main reason was to entice more people to try more different, you know, different beverages that are available, particularly in the wine world. I mean, sherry and vermouth.
0: Is anyone else doing it there? I mean, you're like no. the first guy to have... <laughs> vermouth and sherry and that variety of stuff, right?
2: Right. I mean, everybody who comes in is pretty much like, oh, I thought you could only mix vermouth in cocktails. (laughs) Right. And uh, so... That's what um, my
0: dad told me.
2: Right. Or (laughs) that it would be disgusting on its own, you know? Um, So... So
0: one of the other things that you focus towards is Spanish wines. And logically and obviously, you know, Spanish wines... Spain is a very, very hot growing region, not weather-wise, but, you know, as far as the wines they're making, the qualities. Talk to me a little about, you know, what you have there. Are you able to get the wines you want there? Um, you curate wines. Tell me about the list, some of the things. And then I want to ask you, you know, personal faves, faves at the restaurant.
2: Sure. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I... My husband is from Spain and, you know, we both have a deep love of the wines of the country. I mean, they're so different and diverse all across the region and they're doing some really interesting things. And I also think you can get a really great value You know, and the value even goes up with the more higher end wines. You know, just um, I mean, the values there from the from the the
0: quality quality. to the value, the region is is amazing. It's
2: incredible. Right. So you know, and and we we
0: use the word on this show and in the wine world, we use value. Instead of cheaper.
2: Right. right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Right. It sounds much nicer. Right. right. But But, you know, it feels the same in your pocket, right? right? So yeah. it's, sure. it's good. Um, but in, when we were opening a Spanish tapas restaurant, you know, my husband and I, we really wanted to serve only Spanish wines. You know, we are like, we're focusing on Spain. We will be 100% Spanish. We even went so far to kick Portugal out. I feel bad for them. They've got great wines too. <laughs>
0: you may want to reconsider. I know, I think Come on. so. I think a, so. It's not like you're bringing enough. Riesling in. You exactly,
2: know, <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, but um, we have a, we're able to put together this amazing list just in one country and we have to train our service staff to be able to educate people as they come in, you know, to say, okay, what style of wine do you like? All right, we're going to guide you this way. We also went so far when we created, we created a map. Of Spain on the back of our like wine Ribera
0: list, like Ribera and Rioja yes. and Ribera Sacra, and
2: we put all so, the regions and describe a little bit about them. And then on our wine list, we have them listed by region, so that you know if you're interested in in kind of learning a little bit more about the background, the land, the terroir of the area you're ordering your wine from, you can do that.
0: So, do you get any pushback because people come in and they go, "I don't want Spanish I want a wine. French I red. want something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean. I, I mean. I think." If they come yeah. into a place like that, they're kind of open to the experience. Right. Tapas is about, you know, trying different things. Mm. But do you get a little of that? Or sure, of do? course.
2: And then, and but until they taste something, right, right. And and then if you can make the right recommendation that matches what their expectations are, then you've won them over because then they're looking at this amazing, delicious wine that they love that's new. Um, and I think it. I think when you get people to try new things, they leave feeling even better about the experience. Right,
0: and probably may go out and buy it and try it. I Absolutely. I mean, restaurants have a big influence on exposing people mm-hmm. to wines. Yes. That's why wineries and distributors love to get in the great restaurants, because you walk away from that experience, like, that was great. What was that wine? You know, right. you'll get that a lot. I have a
1: question. Katie, what's the Buy the Glass program like? Because it is a small plates yeah. restaurant, and it's nice to be able to kind of
2: Ch- you know, yeah. also change your wine throughout the evening. Last I checked, we had about 40 wines by the glass, you know, in addition. Not, not
0: at one night. Oh, yeah. Jesus.
2: I mean, you know, we are just able, you know, we, we train our staff enough to be able to rotate through them. We date them and stay really on top of it. But I think that's important because when people are coming in and they're unfamiliar, they don't necessarily want to, you know, go down <laughs> on a whole bottle.
0: Right. Right. I was going to say, by giving them that many offerings the diversity, you need to have a big buy-the-glass program. Right. Because people may have one or two glasses, don't want the bottle. So that's very smart. And
1: it's lovely to go to Curate and have a nice long dinner with lots of plates. Right. Lots of glasses of wine.
0: Now, I want to ask you this. Spain is very well known for their reds. There's an incredible amount of reds, Tempranillo, all these other grapes. The whites in Spain are incredible. I mean, I would assume for the the buy-the-glass program and the bottle program... There's probably more reds than whites. Right. But talk to me about some of the whites. I mean... Sure. And and also, when you could and were, you were tasting stuff, right? Right. So tell me, you have to have a certain amount of whites to match with the food. What kind of whites from Spain are exciting to you or are you carrying?
2: Yeah. So some of the ones that I... I'm really um, excited about. I mean, from the Rio Spices region, Albarino, you know, is like, you know, probably the most well-known, perhaps, white wine.
0: But hold on. On this show, we try to teach people stuff. Okay. So I want so you don't to go, go back. with that no, one. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I want you to go back. Rio Baixas. I want you to say it slowly, and then I want you to spell it
2: okay. for our listeners. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay, (laughs) because they'll go in, they won't know, they they don't know there's an X in there. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Ria
2: Baixas, it's spelled R-I-A-S-B-A-I-X-A-S.
0: Right. And that is a region of Spain that's making wines. Right. continue in
2: the Galicia kind of region of Spain the north um, western portion of Spain and you know they make some wonderful whites albarinos which pair so well with the seafood that's coming right off of the coast of Galicia I mean clams and um, percebes and I mean just which are barnacles <laughs> Explain that um, and you know crab and I mean there's like a whole range of amazing seafood coming from that region
0: so Albariño probably is the most exciting white. Yes. Um,
2: let's white Garnacha too, though. I'm going to throw really? that in there. I, I love, so from the Emporda, um the alt Emporda area, um, A-L-T-E-M-P-O-R-D-A, um, you know, that's in Catalonia. It's north of Barcelona, kind of heading up towards the border of France on the eastern side of the mediterranean and i love um white garnacha i think you know when it's um sometimes it has done in stainless steel maybe there's like a little bit of oak and it brings out this um sort of earthy and maybe a little bit of some petrol notes i love that it's um, because the
0: albarino is sort of a hay yellow it's crisp. It's acidic. Right. Yes. This sounds way more, you know, complex.
2: Yes, it's more A lot body. of alborino
0: is not in oak.
2: Mm-hmm. So you
0: get a little of that oak. The petrol thing makes it interesting. Yes. What's good pairing for that? You said shellfish and all yeah, that? Yeah, I mean,
2: I I, I think... Probably
0: heavier stuff, too. Every,
2: yes, I mean, but in... It, In every place where the wine's grown, it's the food of that region that's going to match the best. And, you know, I mean, they have wonderful prawns that come right off the coast of the Costa Brava, which is that section of Catalonia, and uh, some of the best, if not the best in the world, and um, beautiful fresh anchovies, and... um, some good with anchovies. Yeah. Yeah. They're really good with anchovies. I'm going
0: to bet you're probably one of the only restaurants within... 50 miles. That's carrying a Spanish white garnacha.
2: More than 50 right <laughs> yeah, I don't
0: think right. Mean, so that's yeah. the cool thing about you yes. know what you're doing. Yes. Now um, let, wait, I just want to ask yeah. about reds. Let's jump to reds. Um, you know, there are the famous wine regions: Rioja, Ribera del Duero. Um, there's a very hot area, Ribera Sacra. Yeah. Are you bringing in wines from that Absolutely. region?
2: Absolutely. We have wines from. My, you know, Felix, uh, my husband, runs our wine program, and he's really careful to ensure that we have the full range representation. of representation of all of the areas. Right. Um, I think some of the interesting wines are coming from some of the, um, you know, volcanic regions on the islands of Spain, Like um, Canary. Yeah, exactly, like yes, the Canary very Islands. So. I think there's some really interesting things going on there.
0: Have you heard of a winemaker? I think it's three guys, Envenate. they'll grow, they'll make wines on the Canary Islands. They'll make wines in Ribera. They're very cool, but they're going into those um, interesting regions. You have Canary Island wines?
2: Yes, yes.
0: Very cool. Um, Just some of your faves that, you know, you've had an opportunity to taste and drink and, you know, be able to get regularly. Is there anything you've been loving?
2: I mean, you know, as far as a, like like label in a particular or wine type, I region, try a region I mean everything. I would say I, I would say Biertho you know I love Mencias from Biertho Biertho is B I E R Z O and Mencia which is the grape is um
0: M E N C I A
2: yes is um Lighter bodied, right? I mean, people they relate it to Pinot Noir, depending on how it's prepared. Um, right. You know, if it's if it's done, you know, um, with you know less oak and and really bright and clean and um, lighter bodied red. I, I love that because I love a red that's lighter, has some acidity. I feel like I can drink it all day, enjoy it with. You know, by itself or with food, it pairs with a wider range of things. So that's my go to.
0: That's a great grape, and that's a great recommend, uh, recommendation. Um, um, Bierzo.
2: So, Katie, you and Felix have taken
1: groups of people to actually travel through Spain before. Why do you guys plan those trips and and what do you hope people learn about the food and the drink of Spain?
2: Absolutely. So we this is our second year and um, Felix is the tour guide. He's from Spain. He speaks the language. He's native there and he's definitely the one to do it. You and take a group? We do. Of, do. of 12 to 16 people. Okay. It's Curate Trips, spelled okay. like curate trips.com. Like and um we basically we have four different itineraries planned for this year and we take people across many different regions. They enjoy all different kinds of wine and food. And because we've created so many amazing relationships with producers it's in an inside, Spain. An
0: insider's yes, trip.
2: Yes. We show up and we're like best friends with the wine. When's winery. the
0: next one? I'm going.
2: <laughs> we have one in May. And then yeah, we'll in, uh, and like make I'm it up. by then. Well, yeah. September, October, and November, okay. we have some others that we're, that we're planning. And you know what's been so cool is Felix has even found some wines and discovered new things that he's made some partnerships with some importers to bring in some unique things. That even we're only selling in our restaurants. That's
0: the benefit you have. Yes. I mean, in a way, you're working it, but it's fun and work. <laughs> it's
2: a but lot of you're fun. out
0: there meeting, and there's always new people, yeah. you know, looking to come to the states or representation. Kat may know the answer to this, but I don't, and I think our listeners would like to know the story. How did you meet Felix?
2: I met him working for Jose Andres in Washington, d c. Okay, And then from there, you know he was coming because he'd been working at El Bouilli one of the best restaurants in the world for, um, you know, he worked there for five years in front of the house service and I met him and he basically took me back to El Bulli, was like, you want to work in the best restaurant in the world? I was like, yes, please. <laughs> and live in Spain with you. Meanwhile, I love you. This is perfect. So <laughs> I went and we um, worked, you know, I worked two seasons at El Bulli and, you know, which is in Rosas, which is in Catalonia on that Costa Brava, which is where I got so familiar with the, the wines of that area.
0: Were you swept off your feet? Yes. The first couple of times you met him? Yes. (laughs) So it was love after all of that. It
1: was. Cool. Well, Katie, we know you have to get to the stage, so we'll let you go. But thanks for on a whim coming by and talking to us about Spanish wine. This has been really fun. And I
0: got to get down there and drink through all those wines. And I'm going to stay in touch with you because I'm going to do one of those trips at some point. Please do. It sounds like the best. Please do.
2: Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right,
1: we'll be back after a short break.
0: Thanks. Hi, we're back. We're back at the Heritage Radio Network teepee, right in the middle of the culinary village, live from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. We're sitting here doing a special edition Grape Nation. I'm with my pal, Kat Johnson from Heritage Radio Network. Hello, Kat. Hey, Sam. How are you?
1: I'm good. So, Sam, I want to ask you... What have you been up to all weekend? We've seen you a little bit here and there. You've been here in the TP an hour a day or so. But what have you been up to in the afternoons?
0: Well, it's interesting cuz I've we've done about a little under 70 shows for the Grape Nation. And last year I had the good fortune to come down to the festival and Heritage was a media partner and you know, we did the same thing this year. So I decided to come down, but I hooked up with some friends and we participated in some of the events. I was just at a breakfast this morning with Jessica Harris, spoke. It was called Harlem and Hominy, and it was sort of a gospel brunch, and it was a walk around with some great chefs. A couple of our guests here um, Shannon Sasser was there, and.
1: Savannah Sasser? Savannah. Savannah Sasser. What did I say? Shannon. Shannon.
0: And was it Bill Marlowe?
1: Thomas Marlowe.
0: <laughs> I didn't get one.
1: There. You're good with last names. <laughs> right.
0: Thomas Marlow was there. So it was a walk-around format. I did a thing called Shucked, which was on the waterfront in northern Charleston, which was basically a seafood, oyster-centric, wine, uh, eating crazy frenzy for three hours. So that was fun um, with live music. Friday night, I did a thing called Noteworthy on the docks on Shem Creek. And it was Michael Anthony who sent his assistant chef Suzanne and Mike Lada were out um, cooking, making local indigenous stuff. They were cooking shrimp that came off the boats that were right on the docks. And we did the Edna effect, which Carrie from Cherry Bomb and Jessica Harris were there. It was about Edna Lewis and her effect on Southern cooks. Mishama Bailey and all these people were there. So it was fun, besides doing shows and talking to all our guests, And being at the teepee to get out there and just see the passion, you know, that all these chefs and, uh, you know, the events that Charleston people put out there.
1: What have been some really interesting wines that you've had while you've been in Charleston?
0: Well, we had Friday, we had a guest on, uh, Doug Flemmer from Virginia. I didn't drink a lot of Virginia wine, so I got a chance to uh, drink through some Virginia wines. That was interesting. The quality of the wines have been pretty good. There's been a lot of, my thing lately has been sparkling wine. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of champagne and sparkling wine around. From Virginia, from Cormont in France, from Champagne. So that's been fun. And that stuff goes great with shellfish mm-hmm. and local fish and all of that. So pretty much that stuff. Trying to stay away from the heavy red and you know all that stuff. The that weather's come, too
1: nice for that. Yeah, it
0: is too nice for that. And the food is more conducive to you know that type of... Uh, wine but there's a ton of wine in the village there's a lot of places to stop and really sample different wines and all the events feature different wines which is really nice i mean it's for me it's a very very and i'll make it three very a very wine centric you know event i mean it's part of the name but they live up to the hype as far as the diversity of wines so that was nice
1: can I ask you if there is anything you've enjoyed drinking other than wine, if that's allowed on the Grape Nation?
0: Wait, say that again? If,
1: Have you drank anything this weekend that other than wine that so you've enjoyed?
0: there's a Guinness booth on the other side. Uh-oh. And they had like six different Guinnesses, four of which I never heard of. And I, the first round was so good I did a second round. <laughs> so basically it was six times two. It was like 12 Guinnesses. So that was kind of cool. There's a bunch of great local craft beer guys. So I did that. And there's all these local and regional spirits guys, like Highwire Distillery and some local gins and all that. So I've been tasting that. The problem is when I go to wine tastings, I spit. Because you're tasting 80... It sounds gross, but it's, everybody does it. But here I'm swallowing and I'm having trouble, you know, kind of getting around. So... <laughs> Got to be careful with all that. So, but yeah, there's a good, uh, pretty good range of uh, beers and uh, spirits here too. Which well, after nice.
1: this show, you're you're off air for the rest of the festival. So, are you gonna, are you gonna like get to tasting right away?
0: I think that whatever I missed, whatever I didn't see, from the minute I get off the air, I'm hitting it hard.
1: Uh-oh. Okay. Watch out, Charleston. Because I
0: got nowhere to be until tomorrow at noon for my flight. So I'll take it from there. Yeah, no, I to your point, I mean, you know, we've all been working hard all weekend, and I'm pretty much done after this show. So I think I'm going to take in a little of it, not worrying that, you know, I have a show or whatever. So that'll be fun.
1: What are your plans for this afternoon?
0: Um, I think I'm going to, uh, I think we did our last event, which was Harlem and Hominy. I think I'm going to spend a little more time at the culinary village and then maybe walk around town a little. You know, we've all been so inside the village. Let me see what the outside world looks like. Yeah. So that's pretty much going to be
1: it. And you've spent time in Charleston, like, other times of the year besides the festival. What are your impressions of Charleston? On like a normal weekend and then compared that to these crazy, amazing wine and food weekends?
0: Well, there's two answers to that. One answer is my youngest son went to College at Charleston for four years. So I had the luxury of coming down here two, three times a year to visit him. And it's one of those cities you really like to visit. So you get to know the restaurants, the scene, the waterfront and the history and all of that. But one of the things I've observed is the growth. When we got here, King Street is I guess the main drag with all the bars and restaurants. It used to end at a certain point. Now it just goes north forever. And friends of ours, Femi and Miles, are opening a wine bar, Graft, a great wine store, Monarch, opened up. And he's bringing in uh, smaller producer natural wines. Um, Rick Rubel, who was here yesterday, is a Charleston place. He has a bigger wine list, you know, as anywhere. And... uh, But... But sort of since then, not with the uh, college. It's just trying to keep up with the restaurant and even, you know, the nightclub scene and all of that. And it's it's just growing so fast. I think you see that from last year to this year, right? So it's been very cool that way. We've enjoyed that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you sent me an article very recently about how Charleston's wine scene is really exploding.
0: It was one of those zero to zero, like there was one or two wine centric places now in less than a year three or four legitimate places with legitimate people with legitimate product and visions you know are out there for this market to enjoy because as good a restaurant market as this is it's it wasn't that good of a wine market and now you have the people and the places so that that i think that's a big step forward and we're gonna go and sample some of those places later on too. I'm
1: jealous. I have to hang around for a little bit well, longer. Well, I'm
0: talking when the show ends yeah. at five and everything.
1: Yeah. Well, Sam, thanks for letting me uh, be a guest slash guest host on the Grape Nation. This it's has been fun. It's fun being a
0: guest. Um, we're back. We're back up in New York this coming Wednesday on the Grape Nation. We have a great guest, Piero Antonori, who's seven, eight generations of Italian winemaking. He's one of the patriarchs of all Italian wine. He'll be on, um, and that'll be fun, and we'll see you when we get back there.
1: See you there, Sam.
0: All right, thank you.